Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome. I know we're in lockdown mode, but it is just nice that we can still open up our Bibles together. They're not locked down, and we can study. So welcome to our midweek devotional, close-ups of Jesus through the lens of Mark's gospel. This is part 26. I want to talk to you tonight about, about the marks of spiritual religion. Getting into the last part now of Mark chapter 12. So the marks of spiritual religion. Get a Bible. Let's just do a brief study together. Point number one. This question of the greatest commandment. It's in verse 28 through verse 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? 29. Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So they're asking, just to be clear, a lot of people um, misunderstand what's going on here. This scribe, this Old Testament scholar, comes to Jesus and asks the greatest commandment in the law. Jesus is talking about the Old Covenant law, the two greatest commandments in the Old Covenant law. Now, if you want to know the commandment Jesus gave, Jesus technically never commanded, love your neighbor as yourself. People talk about that commandment a lot. The commandment Jesus gave with his disciples in the upper room, he says, a new commandment I, now this is Jesus, I give to you. The commandment Jesus gives isn't love your neighbor as yourself. The commandment Jesus gives is love one another as I have loved you. But this question comes up framed in the old covenant law. What are the greatest commandments in the old covenant law? And that's the question Jesus is answering. Now, there's still great lessons there. We're going to study them together. But just to be clear, the question Jesus is answering is the greatest commandments that this scribe would be aware of in the old covenant command system. 32, let's pick it up. The scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said, he is the one, there's no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart, all the understanding, all the strength, and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole of burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's, that's what you, the old covenant will lead you in. It'll bring you up to. This is Jesus, God himself, speaking to this man. You're, you're right on the edge. You're starting to see the purpose of all of these commandments. You're starting to see how this all works. Now, Matthew, the advantage of having this, what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the advantage is you, you pick up details in each account. Matthew makes it clear that this questioner, this, this scribe, one of the scribes, Mark says, wasn't uh, as much an honest seeker of truth as you might think. Matthew makes it clear, 22-25 of Matthew, that this scribe came to, to, to test him, quote. So again, this is not some humble seeker of truth. 
This is one more occasion where the religious leaders who should have seen the old covenant pointing to Jesus, how they use it to trap him, to trick him. So Jesus is being put on the spot. Now the scribes, they had the law of God mixed with their own man-made traditions, to be sure. They had it sorted out into 613 commands. That's right, 613. And typical of, typical of, of uh, organized religion, 248 of the commandments were positive. Do this, do this, do this. 365 of those commands were negative. Don't do this. This is wrong. This is bad. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, and even there, you start to see, remember the promise Jeremiah in the old covenant, God would write it on the hearts. And until the coming of Jesus, until God's love, God's spirit enters our heart, this, this is, this is religion's attempt to curb the fall of mankind. Don't do this. Stop. You have to fence it in. There is no other way to change behavior except through law and threat. Very typical of man-made religion. Okay, point number two. Spiritual religion is measured by Jesus in the reordering of our priorities. I, I get that in 30 and 31. You shall love, love, love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The issue of both commands is, is one of, of love. Our, our beliefs, intellectual beliefs, just an understanding, might be a starting place but it is never enough. It is never adequate to make religion a spiritual experience. Uh, James, you know how James says, 2.19. James says, you, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe. They believe that too. And, and they shudder. But there's no love there. There's no transformation there. Also notice, this is also why. This issue of love and relationship. Jesus doesn't just say we're to love God. He says, love the Lord your God. And so there's this, this implied uh, intimacy, partnership, relationship that, that Jesus talks about here. It's deeper than the emotions, just the feelings. I don't, I don't, when I say love, I don't just mean the feelings. We'll see that in a minute. Deeper than just the intellect. Uh, there has to be this issue of lordship, the absolute control of God over heart, soul, mind, so the affections, the loves of the heart, the will, the, the, the inclination of the will to love righteousness, the intellect, the understanding. These are all involved in this, you shall love the Lord, your God. Three, while spiritual religion manifests itself in outward action, it is not just, it's not limited to uh, just moral reform, ethical reform. That's included, but it's not limited to that. It's, it's the love of the hearts. And the reason I'm, I, I, 
I think this is so obvious from different accounts in the New Testament. Think of the rich young ruler. Remember, he comes to Jesus. He's very moral. He says, I've kept all these commandments. But, but he, Jesus says, well, sell what you have, give it to the poor, follow me, you'll have treasure in heaven. And he can't do that. He, he senses what Jesus is all about, but it's the loves of his heart. He can't let go of this. So love is always revealed in these tensions. It, it's always a matter of comparison. What, what means most? What's most important? What most cries out for the desires of your heart? It's like when Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Something has to dominate the life. Something big has to be at the center of the life. And it's this issue of... of uh, the loves of the heart. So the commandments, they had these 600 and some odd commandments. You can, you can try and regulate, but only a love for God brings that kind of change deep into the heart. Four, this is uh, just an expansion on this same idea. Our love for God must be consuming to be adequate. I get that in verse 30. You shall... Love the Lord your God with all. Notice the repetition of that word all. All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. All your strength. So the idea there is there's, there's no part, heart, soul, mind, strength. There's, there's no part of any of those four things that is left untouched. It, it can't be a partial thing. L love... Um, Love only deals in holes. It never deals in halves. If, if I'm sort of faithful to my wife, I'm not faithful at all. Love, love draws us in. Love is consuming. And so Jesus points to the scope of the relationship. Boy, he, he, Jesus, this is his way of just striking a death-dealing blow to... Um, Religious tokenism that, that wants to give God a religious slice, a religious section. The Sunday thing, the church thing, uh, the, the check in the offering plate, whatever it might be, Jesus deals a death blow to, to any compartmentalizing of a life. God, God is after my, my love. He's after every ounce of it, and he's after it all the time. So love, love doesn't uh, measure, it doesn't calculate, and, and there are roots to it. There are roots to this kind of love for God and fellow man. I see that talked about, by the way, you can look up Ephesians 4. I'm going to look at 4.32 up to Ephesians 5.2. And what you'll see here is, the same kind of emphasis, like on the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to see Paul describing how Christians relate to other human beings, other people. But he fastens that kind of loving action toward people. He fastens it on a foundation that I want you to notice. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. So there it is. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. You can't love people very long before you realize... They're going to need forgiving, just like you're going to need forgiving. Forgiveness has to flow between human beings. 
So be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We're, how are we going to do this? As God in Christ forgave you. So Paul says, in my relationships with other people, I will never be asked to forgive anything that's as big as what I have already been forgiven in Jesus Christ. See, and, and remembering that puts a grace foundation under my loving actions. Therefore, continuing Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, he's going to say it again, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. So, so, so commandment number two doesn't stand all by itself. You can't get to heaven just being nice to people. Commandment number two is rooted in commandment number one. Just as commandment number one can't just be a religious thing, my relationship with God, but has to transform relationships, so my relationships with people can't just be a form of works to get me to heaven. It has to be rooted in my love for God and rooted in his grace and love experienced and received in my heart. It's a beautiful, complete package that we see described there. I took too long on that one. Okay, five. My love for God, and Ephesians says it's rooted in his love for me, my love for God must be visibly expressed in practical acts of love for my neighbor. So it isn't just a matter of praying and reading my Bible and worshiping. It's, it's, it's a horizontal thing. It has to have fruit in the horizontal. And there's a reason for that. I can't say that I love God, the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do I say that's true of me if I don't love my brother, my sister, who is God's image bearer? It makes no sense to split those things up. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 it just addresses this so perfectly. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. Boy, Bible can be pretty blunt sometimes. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, must also love his brother. So, so you'll notice that Jesus gives two answers to the one question, and that's because the question has to be answered uh, in, 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 in full ways. I mean, my love for people will be sporadic at best. I'll love them when they're nice to me, when they're good to me, when we have the same interests, we have fun together. I'll love them. But unless it's rooted in my love for God and God's love for me, I'll have a hard time loving people when they aren't lovable. So, so commandment number one sort of fuels commandment number two, and commandment number two gives visible expression of commandment number one. Mere humanitarianism will, will never be enough. So in short, these words of Jesus, as he looks back at the old covenant and the two greatest laws there, each each commandment uh, explains and keeps the other pure. I will never be loving enough 
to brothers and sisters to get me to heaven. It can't be a form of works. It has to be anchored in my love, the transforming love for God in my heart. And my love for God can't just be a religious thing that makes me pious in church. It has to reach into my relationships with with other people, brothers and sisters. And that, my friend, is the way Jesus describes uh, what spiritual religion, even as it was pictured in the Old Covenant, what spiritual religion really looks like. Let's just pray. God, give us understanding week by week. Uh, anybody can study your word. Give us understanding of it and give us hearts. Give us hearts that are humble enough to always want to receive more of it and, and to have the, the seed of the word in all of its fruitfulness, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, that, that you want to increase the power of your word in my heart in our hearts. Even when we can't meet together, you can increase the fruit of your word. You can grow the fruit of the Spirit in all of our hearts together. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Sunday morning, we can't meet here, but we will be online, 10 o'clock in our Christmas series, Making Spirits Bright. It, it, takes a little more discipline. You know, when we're not meeting together, when it's just online, boy, it's very convenient. And it's that very convenience that can make us a little careless, a little lazy. Keep the Lord's day, even when you can't come into this place. Like, be there, 10 o'clock. Be there, 6.30. Get your family there. Don't let them drift from the Word of God and and uh, the times that we have studying it together. Sunday night, don't miss our Christmas musical. It's going to be great. God bless you, church. Love one another.